Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to the SG Engage podcast. I'm Christine Newman, and I manage SG Engage for BlackBaud. And I'm delighted to be here again with Melissa Rancor, Principal Instructional Designer for BlackBaud University's Organizational Best Practices Curriculum. Fundraising is obviously a big topic for many social good organizations and one we've covered a lot on the podcast. And today we're really going to get into what fundraising is and what the difference is between successful fundraising versus simply raising money. So welcome back, Mel. And uh, let's get started. Um, So let's start off. What is successful fundraising? Well, many times they say if you get someone to donate, that's what many people say is the goal. It's all about time, talents, and treasures. And do you agree with that? I do to a certain extent, but I think this focus on donating money and getting money donations is sort of evolving into something that's hurting us. We all talk about how there's less donor households and we need to retain those donors. Ah, yes, retention. So how do we retain those donors? I think we need to stop just thinking about retaining them after they donate, but we have to think about retaining them before we even say hello to them, before we create a peer-to-peer fundraiser page, before we create another appeal communication. Really think about retention from the get-go before we say hi. So how do we do that, and, and why do we do that? Let's start with the why. If someone gives because you ask, great. But what if you can get them interested in your cause? Get them talking about your cause with other people, connecting your cause with other things they care about. Yes, you may say, isn't that what we already do? Sort of, but your goal is getting them to care so they will donate. What if we start getting the thinking about getting them to care so they become invested in our cause, so they tell others about our cause? So they think of your cause when they think about where to donate. They think of your cause when a friend asks about topics related to that cause. They are excited and interested in your cause. So they're going to tell everyone about it. And so you're basically saying, you know, we want their their testimony. Right. Yes. If we're connecting with people in order to get them to share about our organization and share with others, you're connecting with them so they care about your cause. This can all be transformative in who you share your cause with. How so? Well, think about it. Who do we have our major giving officers ask? Or who do we not ask because they probably don't have enough money to give? We really start putting them into those groups of these are the people we're going to talk to. These are the people we're not going to invest as much into because they don't really have enough money to give back to us. But those people that may not have a lot of money probably know someone who has money or that someone knows someone who has money. So the more people you can get caring about your cause, talking about your cause, getting invested in your cause, not just about the money, the more you can raise for your cause because everyone will be excited and interested in that cause. Can you give me an example, Mel? Sure. When my stepdaughter was in college, she worked at the university's fundraising office. Very, very proud stepmother moment that she was working in fundraising. But she was an instant instant success because she was able to make people feel comfortable. And she was able to get them to care about what she was talking about. She's a very passionate person. Most organizations wouldn't think of focusing on her for fundraising. 
However, she's a passionate social butterfly who loves sharing about things she's passionate about. She shares this with her friends, her friends' parents, and everyone else. When she was looking at working for a nonprofit, she would share about the causes the nonprofits are working with. So even though she ended up not working for nonprofits because COVID hit, right before she graduated from college, she actually got a ton of people interested in those causes. And some of those causes our family still donating to because she shared about that. And guess what? She finally got a real grown-up job. And guess who she's donating to? Those causes she was so passionate about. That's awesome. And what a great example of kind of how this works in practice. Um, so you basically, you're saying that we want to, quote unquote, fundraise uh, to people without money. Well, I prefer it to sharing your cause with everyone and inviting them and joining and sharing your cause with others. So we're not just saying we're fundraising. We're trying to share about our cause. We're trying to get people to invest and be passionate with that cause. Well, it used to be like with the industry used to say millennials don't donate. But now those millennials have a little bit more wiggle room in their budgets and we're seeing that they're donating. And they're sharing that testimony about organizations with our network who are also sharing it with their network and on and on. So we made those millennials invested in our causes before they had the money. Now that they have the money, they're donating. And then how does that impact donor retention? Well, if someone's committed to a cause and is sharing the cause with others and others are caring about the cause, they're much more likely to give again because they're not thinking of, of it as another donation. They're thinking of it as helping the cause. This also helps with what I like to call donor's remorse. I like that term, donor's remorse. What, what does that mean exactly? Well, we've all heard of the term buyer's remorse, where someone buys something and then regrets it right after making that purchase. I know I've done that. Lots of, you know, <laughs> just a few times purchases <laughs> on Amazon. The Amazon box shows up and I'm like, oh, what did I do? No, not again. But one of my old mentors, he used to say that there's two great days in a boat owner's life. The day you buy the boat and the day you sell the boat. Why? because they buy it for that great feeling they get and the fun times on the water that they imagine. However, the reality of the boat not bringing them long-term joy hits them and then they wanna sell the boat. It's the same thing with donors. We want them to feel good about our organization and cause before giving. Then when they give, they'll feel good about giving. And if they feel good about giving to your organization, they'll give again as long as you don't forget to steward them properly. And they will tell others about how great they feel about giving to your cause, which will make those people want to feel good. So then they're going to give to your cause too. Advertisers use this all the time. Look how happy Tina is with her new car. You could feel happy like Tina if you get a new car. For nonprofits, it's really look at how happy Tina is after supporting that cause. I want to feel happy too. So I'm going to support that cause too. So there's that, you know, kind of testimony again that you were talking about. Yep. Tina being happy about donating and sharing how good she feels about donating is also a great testimony that Tina can share with others who will want to share with more people too. So really that trickle effect down the line. So do you really need Tina or can a fundraiser just ask people and use their own testimony? 
That's a great question. Well, yeah, for sure. You can use a fundraiser. I, I love fundraisers. I'm not saying we shouldn't have fundraisers anymore. But you don't really expect a fundraiser to say anything bad about the organization. So you inherently question how honest that fundraiser's being since they work for the organization. Because you sort of feel like their goal is to get you to donate. But it's sort of like when you're at a restaurant. Like we used to go to before COVID, that place where other people served us food, you know? <laughs> if you ask the waitress if the sweet potato fries are good, you expect them to say yes. So they can make that sale. But if the person at the next table says, oh, you should get those, they're so good, you trust that testimony more. So that is definitely a good point. I definitely uh, look around at what other people have ordered and are enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so absolutely. Um, so what should, um, you know, nonprofits and other social good organizations and their fundraisers do with this information? I really think it's about helping them shift who the organizations are investing time into telling about the cause. I think if we need to look at not just the impact that our organizations are making when we're sharing about the cause, but also the warm fuzzies our supporters have by supporting our cause, by telling other people about our cause, having supporters explain why they're supporting a cause or supporting your cause in initial introductory communications or on your website can actually help and also getting them to go out there and talk about it. This also means organizations really need to sort of up that peer-to-peer -peer fundraising game. They need to give those peer-to-peer -peer individual fundraisers the tools they need in order to express and share the story of why they're supporting that cause. That's great. Um, this has just been such a great conversation, Mel. Is there anything, like any last uh, tips or insights that you'd like to share? I think it's that thing for me of we need to look beyond just that money piece because we want those longtime donors. So many times we think about, well, it's just a $20 gift. It's just this, it's just this. But when we looked at planned giving, those people that donate just that $20 here and there, they're those people that could be donating millions of dollars to your organization with planned gifts or with unexpected major gifts. So you never really know who those people are. In the past, I worked with um, trusts and things, and we had very, very wealthy people who didn't look wealthy, but they were. So, so many times we make that quick judgment call and go, eh, you're not wearing the right shoes. I don't think you have enough money. But sometimes those people that don't have a lot of money, they understand the struggle. They may be connected to your cause and be able to share that and be able to share what they can give now and maybe more in the future. And it's really looking at fundraising as that long-term strategy, not just raising that money today. Mm -hmm. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, Mel. Uh, always great to have you on the podcast. And um, we will link to some more resources in the show notes um, for our listeners. And if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Have a great day.